Okay, welcome back to the Cause for Joy podcast. I am beginning this episode as opposed to Emma, and I have no idea what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to start talking and just see what happens. Hey, that's usually what we do, right? So we've made it this far. Right. Above our coffee maker here in the office, uh, it says, drink coffee and act like you know what you're doing. Mm. I feel like that speaks to my soul some days. That's what's gotten me this far. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, I have a question, though. Have you ever done those, uh, you know, would you rather questions? So, fun fact, going back to fun facts from last episode. Hey, I where's used our to... fact checker at, actually? Yeah, fact checker, we need we Are need you there? You. I can't see you. Again, yeah. the couch is in the way. Ah, there you are. There oh, he put a pillow over his face. Come on, Steven. Man. Okay, for those of you who are listening, our fact checker is our sound guy. Yes. Uh, he wears it, many hats. He wears many hats, so he's he's helping to run our website and stuff and doing behind-the-scenes tech work and such, uh, but he's also monitoring our sound for these few episodes, and so... He's been doing a great job. He's been doing great, but he just gives us thumbs up, like, instead of shaking his head. <laughs> it's just really great. Uh, so anyways, but he's also our fact checker, and we're always looking to him to make sure what we're saying is... Legitimate. Yes. So you can you can verify if this fact is true. But when I was in college, I actually had a book of a thousand would you rather's, and so people would come over to my dorm, and I would just open it up to a random page, and I would ask them. So yes, Emma, I do appreciate some good would you rather questions. Okay. So we'll have a few here at the beginning, right? Okay. So would you rather have the ability to see ten minutes into the future, or one hundred and fifty years into the future? Probably the more immediate because it would have more of a direct impact on my life, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. All right. So another one. Would you rather have telekinesis, which is the ability to move things with your mind, Ooh. or telepathy, the ability to read minds? I would say that I already possess the power in virtue of my ordination to confect the Eucharist turning bread and wine into the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So I'm content with that superpower. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks for asking, though. I'm just, yeah. All right. Well, what about, uh, would you rather be... Stephen liked that one. <laughs> I mean, we Gave all the thumbs up. Good. I literally cannot see him with this couch. That's okay. I, mean, I can see him like... for the both of us. And, Great. Uh, he's okay. starting to cry a little bit, too. Aw, Stephen, do you need some tissues? <laughs> this is great. This is fantastic. Okay. So, all right. How about a, another one here? Please. Uh, ooh, here we go. So, would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella or a pool full of maple syrup? Definitely Nutella. Okay. Yep. All right. Easier so, cleanup and tastes mm, better. Okay. Um, I got one. Okay. This is one that uh, somebody asked me once. Uh, would you rather... Be blind for a year or deaf for a year? I think I would rather be blind for a year. Hmm. To be able to see, to be able to hear conversations and such. Okay. Okay. It's interesting because I, I, th- I think I would rather be deaf. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, I haven't really thought that through a whole lot. Sure. But I, and that's just, like I said, that's just the initial, like. Right. But there may be some days I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd rather be blind for, you know, like. Sure. I know some people who are, like, really into music, like, um, maybe they really Mm -hmm. connect with the Lord through, like, praise and worship music, for instance. Um, Mm. So they, like, need to be able to hear. Like, they need that sort of input where I guess maybe I I just appreciate more, like, visual stimuli, like being able to behold 
our Lord in the Eucharist or like to be able to see the beauty of creation. Um, I, I guess I can perceive beauty maybe more easily through vision than I, I can't always appreciate it necessarily through hearing. Like I don't appreciate beautiful music maybe as much as I should. So I, maybe that's, that's one of the things that's uh, a, a deciding factor is there is like, how do I take in beauty? And I think for me, it tends to be visual. Sure. I didn't even think about that. So now that I'm thinking about that, because if I was blind, I wouldn't be able to read. I mean, Braille or okay, audiobooks. Well, that's true. Yeah, you got options. Right. But still, there's something about holding a book in my hands. And yeah. I do enjoy gazing upon things, you know, that idea of just gazing. Mm-hmm. So I may change my answer. So, so speaking of would you rathers, I actually just got asked a would you rather by one of the elementary school kids uh this past oh, week please share and so he <laughs> this is great so we're, we're share we're, we're sitting there at, at the lunch table and he goes father kevin would you rather have a million dollars but end up going to and then he like looks around to see if anyone's looking and he goes h-e-l-l i can't say the word because i'm in school or and i said b <laughs> like i didn't even let him say it. i was like b right right like it's not worth it. If that's, no. if that's an option, it's not even worth no. it. No. And yeah. he goes, good. It was a test. I was like, whew. Glad that's I passed. Smart kid. He is. Like, glad I was wow. on my game because I could have slipped there and Steven's <laughs> losing it again. <laughs> we have an easy audience. This is perfect. Yeah, this is yeah. great. We're just going to feed off this joy of Steven. It's just, uh, yeah. wow. Some of the things that I say, Steven just rolls his eyes and he just... I can't it, believe that I say some of the things that I do say. Isn't that the account of the martyrdom of uh, Stephen in, in the book of Acts where it talks oh, yeah. about like the, his, his face shone like an angel? And like Whoa. I just feel like that's that's what's happening to our, our fact checker slash song guy, Stephen, right now. We need to <laughs> come out with like Stephen t-shirts for our listeners. Because yes. they're like, he's going to be like... He's losing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's losing it. Yeah. He probably doesn't appreciate the word calling him out like this but it's that's really, why we're calling him right and, and we're just this is our appreciation for him you yes know, and just the hard work that he is you know put in and stuff and then craig also yes who's Can't editing craig yeah craig so craig's editing the podcast and so yes. yeah praise be god for him so if we it are. weren't for him there would be a lot of you know crickets in those moments of the gaps or the uh, right awkward moments so he he really makes us sound like we know what we're doing and we got it all together so right. thank you so yeah. much craig yeah and then also uh jonah yes yeah jonah is also really part of the audio and hooking and hooking us up with some of the equipment and actually the majority of the equipment let's be real absolutely um we're very very thankful for that so takes a team it takes a team and that's really what this is about like it's that community it's it's all of us working together which is you know we mentioned at the the very first episode like that's what this is for you know it's a group of us just hey let's use our gifts and our talents father you uh you've got some pretty good insights here for this episode what do you got yeah so we we titled this podcast well what was the official title we settled on because we had a lot of different ideas but we're going with for this episode? Yes. This, this episode, episode, there there has got to be more. There's got to be more. Okay. So when we, when we were kind of brainstorming that, we decided, you know, there's a lot to that uh, topic. Like, how, how, what kind of avenue do we want to go down with that? And we ended up wanting to talk about desires and specifically um, the desires, the longings of our heart. So we have kind of this guiding quote because otherwise we could be all over the place. We, have, we do have a lot of, I think, really awesome things to be able to share that uh, the Lord's put on our heart. Um, 
But we have a guiding quote to kind of at least start us out going in a particular direction when we're talking about desires. And this quote comes from C.S. Lewis. So some of you might know him. He wrote a number of famous fictional works like uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I've read a lot of his nonfiction works mm-hmm. like Mere Christianity. And I, I think this is book. where, yeah. I just want to put a plug in for that Please. book really quick. If you have not read Mere Christianity, I encourage you to read it. And that's like, Mere, M-E-R-E, not Mirror as in. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's probably one of his most famous works, honestly. Yeah. And it's highly accredited in Protestant and Catholic church alike. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I highly encourage you, read that book. Yeah, that so, was that was actually a big part of my reversion in high school was reading that book, and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I want to really go into this whole Christian deal. So, so I sure. think this quote is from that book. So, he says this quote. He says, "If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world." Okay, so I'll say that again. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So there's a lot there. I I really love that quote. I've used that in a number of uh, talks that I've given. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. What is it that he's getting at? So first of all, when when he's using that word desire, so he talks about if I find in myself desires, right? And we use that word desire to to talk about a number of different things. Um, You know, what's what's that one song from, uh, is it... I mean, you would know you were a 90s girl, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, like, You oh my are gosh. my fire, the, the one, one desire. And we're done. Uh, <laughs> was, it, was that NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? I, I can't remember. It was one of those, oh, too. I That just flashed me back to, like, the roller rink days. Oh, like, yeah. Like, when a class, you took a class field yeah. trip to the roller rink, and they're, like, blaring that in the black light and everything. Right, right. Oh. Yeah, sorry for that. That's uh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's okay. okay. Good. But it was one of those two, yeah, like, yeah. 1990 pop bands. Right, right. So so that, that word desire, I mean, it comes up a lot in our vocabulary, and... Uh, I think one of the ways we can think about this is I, I've seen different diagrams before talking about like different layers of the heart. And so what they're getting at there is, you know, we have maybe what we could call surface level desires in our hearts. And these are things that, you know, they're, they're good and they're, they're things that we want, but they're sort of transitory. Um, they, they kind of come and go. And so, uh, for instance, like bacon, right? Like that that is a desire bacon. on my heart. Like I desire Bacon, even though we just had uh, a bacon pizza, like, I want bacon, right? And uh, I'm, I'm tempted to say that that's one of the deepest desires and longings of my heart, but I'm, I'm willing to say that it's probably more up on the surface, um, just to kind of venture a guess there. Um, mm-hmm. It's or, the same thing, like, you know, coffee. I desire coffee. Or sure. I desire ice cream. Or sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Any of any of those things, maybe with the those five senses. Immediate, and, yeah. I guess those immediate satisfactions. Faction if I'm if I'm really so. warm, I desire yeah. to be in an air-conditioned room, right? Like, nothing wrong with these yeah. desires, but they're just sort of, you know, on, on the surface. And then once I'm in the air-conditioned room, now that desire is not necessarily, you know, as, as strong as it mm-hmm. was. So we have maybe those surface-level desires. But what we're going to be talking about in this episode is, in particular, what we would consider, like, those deeper desires of our hearts, those deeper longings of our hearts. So if, if I just kind of name these out here, maybe you can recognize these in your own life. So... If you think about some of the deeper desires, we think of something like to really be in communion with someone and like the fullness of what that word means, to be in communion. Um, 
if we could be seen in the totality of who we are, like all of our circumstances, every facet of our story, our strengths, our weaknesses, our personality, everything that makes me, me, like if I could be seen in that and then to not have the other person like recoil, but to actually like cherish me in the totality of all that's there. Um, like we, I think that's a deep desire that we have to be fully seen and then to be fully cherished in that place. Um, we have a deep desire for intimacy and not just, you know, physical intimacy, but, you know, an emotional intimacy, um, uh, a way in which we, we're connecting with another on a, on a deep level uh, for, for peace, for joy. I mean, this whole podcast is Cause for Joy podcast. And I, we have these deep desires, not just for momentary joy, but we want a joy which is uh, ongoing. Like I never say, okay, I want to like stop being joyful now. Like I just want to, you know, be, be super depressed or something. Like I, I want to continue to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And I don't want just like, a little bit or a piece of any of those things. Like I want the full thing. Like if you give me an option between, I can give you like 10% joy or a hundred percent joy. It's like, I would like that 100% joy. So, so we see there those different desires. And we also notice how, again, we don't just want a part of those things. We want the whole thing. And we don't want it just for a limited amount of time. We would like for it to be able to last for eternity. So we know that those are the desires. The other thing we realize if we've lived on this earth for, you know, more than two seconds is that those desires never get fully satisfied while we're on earth. So it's like we're walking through this life on this earth with these deep desires that no matter what we do, no matter where we turn, they never seem to get quenched. They never seem to get fully satisfied, maybe temporarily. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, maybe like in those snapshot moments where like if you've ever been, if you've ever looked upon something beautiful, like, you know, a sunrise or a sunset, or um, if you've ever looked at a, a marriage or a family, or if you yourself are in a marriage and just those beautiful moments when you're with your beloved in those moments where you just wish time could stop and you could kind of take a freeze frame. And if only things could stay like this forever, like those glimpses into heaven. And I, I know from my own life, one of those experiences recently was after my ordination, I had a reception at my parents' house and we were just having a bonfire, myself, my friends, and uh, these were people from uh, all the different parts of my life. They were all together to celebrate uh, this great and joyful day of my ordination and just the weather was perfect, the bonfire was going, the conversations um, and the communion of people that were there. It was just so perfect. And I just remember at one time pausing and almost like I was stepping away for a moment and just saying, God, like if only this could stay like this, if only we didn't have to go home, if only like the, the fire never went out, you know. So there was, there was a recognition there of there's something so good, there's so beautiful here, and yet it's not being fully satisfied. It's almost like those out-of-body experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like that happens and you're like, I'm here, but I also just feel like time just stops. Right. And we all, we all have had those moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess we encourage you to just maybe reflect on some of those moments where you've had those just like out-of-time experiences. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I might ask you if you have something like that, but just to then sort of wrap up again what, what we're getting at with that quote. So he goes, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, which is what we've talked about, mm-hmm. the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And that's kind of where we're going for the rest of this podcast and maybe even podcasts to come to continue to talk about 
that tension we all experience. I have this deep desire for true and lasting joy, peace, communion, uh, all those different things. And yet, while I'm on earth, those things don't seem to be fully satisfied. But before we kind of talk about what it is that we do with those desires, like if they're not going to be satisfied by anything on this earth, then what do we sort of do with them? Do we just ignore them? Do we repress them? What do we do? Before we do that, um, I know, Emma, you were, you were talking about maybe wanting to share something like how you've experienced some of these observations in your own life of sensing maybe these deeper desires and yet how uh, nothing on this earth has been able to satisfy them. Do you have, do you have maybe something you want to share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. That? So actually the name of this, this episode comes from something that I wrote in my journal probably, oh, this would have been probably six years ago. I was leading worship, so uh, so I grew up in the church, just a quick snapshot. I grew up in the Catholic church, I was confirmed, then I left the Catholic church for several years, probably eight or nine years, just wanted absolutely nothing to do with the Catholic church. You could say that I almost, like, was turning people away. Like, if they were Catholic, like, mm, sorry, don't really want to talk to you. Like, I just didn't really have a, a strong interest. But I remember, and in, in this was probably January, February or so of 2015, I was leading worship regularly every week at this non-denominational church, essentially. And it was during the sermon, I remember writing in my journal, there has to be more than this. There has to be more than this than coming on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs and listening to a lukewarm sermon and then leaving and saying, hey, it went to church, you know. It's like there was something that was wasn't being satisfied, right? And I was always walking away feeling like, blech, empty, like this was just a waste of my time. You know, it was a waste of a Sunday morning. And uh, I, I just remember that was a pivotal moment in my life, was coming to that realization, what I was experiencing is not really what my heart is desiring. Uh, and it took me to come to that moment, essentially almost like a breaking point of like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but all I know is that what I'm doing right now is not what you have created me for. Hmm. And, and what I was trying to force myself to do is when I left the Catholic Church, I mean, I, I wanted to be a Protestant pastor. Hmm. Like that is really what I wanted to go for. I started preaching sermons when I was 16 years old. Uh, so I've given countless sermons I've given countless talks I've spoke at retreats and events and things like that and just thought that that was the path that the Lord wanted for me and it just got to this point of tension mm. right that the desires that I had while I thought that they were good and sure I was I was continuing to grow in my relationship with the Lord uh, so I thought I mean and to a point I was but ultimately I was just in contention of what he really created me as female and in the feminine nature of creation, which that can, that's a whole other topic in sure. and of itself, but realizing that there was a disconnect there and uh, just coming to that realization. And, and when I came to that, realized like, okay, there's more than this. I've got to start searching. And then when I finally came back to the Catholic Church, I realized that the void in my heart from where my faith was and where I was being fed in the Protestant churches it was being filled now in the Catholic Church. So there wasn't a void anymore from the level of my faith and my belief to what was actually happening, like, in the church. And so came back to the Catholic Church. I struggled, right? I had a lot of questions. I tried to prove a lot of things wrong. Uh, but 
the more I tried to prove him wrong, the more that I realized, wow, uh, <laughs> this is actually right. The Catholic Church is actually right. And there's a depth there. There's a beauty there. And I just, I lit up. And I actually, I had one of my, my closest friends say to me, and she reminded me of this not that long ago. She, when I came back about six months after I committed to coming back to the Catholic Church, she, she looked at me and said, Emma, you know, six months ago, you were not free in your faith. You hmm. were just kind of like bound by chains. You know, you were struggling for something. Hmm. Your desires in your hearts were not what God was leading you to. Uh, you were trying to make something work that you knew deep in your heart wasn't meant to be. Hmm. But now you are beaming with the freedom and the satiation of the deepest thirst of your soul. Like you're finally, this thirst in your soul, this the, the desires in your heart are starting to fully be fulfilled because you found the church, you found the sacraments, and you have found your place. Hmm. And you've realized that you're, you're still able to teach. You're still able to speak. You're still able to do these things that, that the Lord has really blessed you with in a new way and in the way that it is supposed to be and it's ordered to be. And so that's like my own experience of having these desires, not necessarily that they were even inherently evil, right? I was doing right, what I right. thought that they were, I was supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. but the Lord really waking me up saying, well, I was the one that gave you those desires, but let me show you, let me show you what they are meant to be. Mm. Mm. And no matter how much I drug my feet, no matter how much I through temper tantrum, whatever. I mean, I've had yelling matches with God, right? Uh, especially coming back. It, but then when I let go, uh, when I let go of my desires and I allowed his desires for my life fill my heart, mm. that's when that, that freedom came. And it just, I can't even really put to words the, the experience that I still feel from that because I can look back, you know, 10 years ago and I see who I was and what I was doing. And there's a pain in my heart seeing that. But there's also an overflowing joy knowing where I'm at now. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Was it a hard journey? Absolutely. I cried. My friends cried. I'm pretty sure my one friend wrote a letter to Scott Hahn asking oh, wow. for help on how to answer my questions. I don't, yeah, I don't think she actually sent it. Uh, I told her I wanted a copy of this letter uh, because she didn't know. She didn't know how to help me. Uh, but just praise God for those beautiful friendships in my life that were willing to walk with me, mm -hmm. even when I was being bullheaded and stubborn. So, mm -hmm. um, And obviously, like, my desires still aren't fully satiated this side of heaven, right? right. Um, none, of us, none of us do. Right, but they start to, to be satiated right. when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we read in... Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Yeah, mm. like that's just a beautiful reminder. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and our true desires are fulfilled, even if they are disordered. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of your testimony. Mm -hmm. And as you, were, as you were sharing that, I was kind of thinking, kind of connecting dots to other testimonies I've heard in my own life. And something that I've heard, and maybe you could speak to this before we uh, get into, you know, how, how is it that we, we order those desires is... Um, I've, I've heard of other people who have left the Catholic Church, particularly young people, maybe when they go off to college or um, just other young adult years, and they will leave the Catholic Church. They'll join one of these maybe non-denominational mega churches, and mm. they've got the flashy lights, they've got the cool, hip, young pastor, and 
there there is something you know that draws young people in and i know this is like a constant thing i get asked from maybe some of the older people who are like my my son my grandson has you know left the church and they've gone to these different communities you know and you know there's there's a lot of good that's done in those communities like you said these these aren't you know intrinsically evil things and you know there's a lot of beautiful uh you know works of service that they do the the prayer the bible studies and whatnot like there's a lot of good that's there but what i've heard time and time again from people who have left the catholic church and they've gone to these non-denominational services is that time and time again they say I went to those services and after a while it just felt like something was missing mm-hmm. like there was something empty about it and when they come back to the Catholic Church they end up finding it in a number of different ways but it almost always leads back to the Eucharist mm-hmm. like they realize it was the Eucharist that they had been missing out on they had mm-hmm. a lot of good things in this other church but they didn't have the Eucharist and so it left them feeling empty and so I think that there could be something there with what we're going to keep talking about how right. on how it is that Jesus orders uh, those desires. So I, I don't know if you right. would agree with that with your oh, own experience. 100%. And I, I even remember I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine as I was starting to kind of come back to the church and like just I was starting to ask questions. And I remember saying to her, and I wish I had this text message still, uh, I will never go back to a church that believes that that piece of bread is really Jesus. I remember saying that to Mm. her. But then at the same time, the Eucharist is my greatest love. Mm. Like, I cannot imagine a life without the Eucharist anymore. And still to this day, the the moment that, that, that God really revealed himself, his son, present, fully body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, that moment, I cannot put words to how I felt. Like, I still remember it as if it was just yesterday, and that was six years ago. But it was such a profound experience that I am convinced to my core that that is Jesus. Mm. And it's, I realized that that, that was, is what I was missing, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, that's what I realized was like, okay, I needed the sacraments. Mm-hmm. I needed the Mass. I needed the depth to push me beyond myself you know because when we encounter the eucharist when we encounter the sacraments we are encountering something that's outside of our control Mm. you know and i I realized that the more that i fell in love with the church with holy mother church the more that i fell in love with our triune god like it just in a very beautiful sense and so i i fully agree with i was missing the eucharist yeah whether i fully believed that it was him or not like I, that's what I was missing was partaking in that sacrament. Sure. And like I said, still to this day, it just the Eucharist is my greatest love, and I sit here and think, how can I not give my life to the service of the church for how good God has been to me over the past years? It's just, it's like it's it's nearly not even a thought to to think of doing something else with my life other than to give my life to the service of the church mm. and thanksgiving to Him. Yeah. So. Yeah. For this rediscovered treasure, this rediscovered love. Right, yeah. exactly. For fulfilling that longing that I had, you mm-hmm. know, and I still have, um, and it is fulfilled more and more every day, mm-hmm. waiting that time that it can be fully fulfilled, you know. Yeah. So, but with that, though, comes, like, there needs to be an ordering, too. You know, there needs to be an ordering of our desires. We can't, we can't just lay all our desires out or we can't desire to grow closer to God without some sort of order, you know, because God is order. And so Mm -hmm. 
we have to order our desires according to his will. You sure. Know? And I think that that is, it's, it's, e- it's easy to forget that God is order, but then it's also very easy to get in line with his order when we open ourselves to him. Uh, but thanks to Satan in the fall, like... Thanks a lot, know, Satan. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it, we allow him to take hold of our desires. And when that happens, even in the slightest way, that's when all order is thrown off. And uh, at least in my personal journey, it was, like I said, I had to come to that breaking point before I put that desire, that desire to grow and that desire for more first. And then when I did that, everything else fell into place. Mm. You know, when you put that that relationship with God first, everything comes into place. Order and disorder can really throw us off in our relationship with God, and it can throw our desires out of whack too. So, Yeah, and if I could propose maybe an image, because you're talking a lot about ordering our desires, mm-hmm. and it's like, what does that actually mean or what does that actually look like and I've I've used this um, example before as kind of a visual for people maybe who are visual learners so I, um, I I often think of like a sailboat so I've never actually gone on a sailboat mm-hmm. but I'm familiar enough I suppose with how it works and uh, if, if you think about our desires which again could be surface level those very mm-hmm. transitory things but then also the deeper levels like think of those as gusts of wind so like mm-hmm. at any given moment there are different gusts of winds coming from different directions and if we just kind of let those gusts of winds come into the sails without doing anything, then it's going to end up overtaking the boat and we're going to end up sinking. So that's why a lot of talk about virtue in the church and in in virtue ethics, and we, we see this all throughout the catechism, is this idea that unless we order our passions, our passions are going to overwhelm us. And so we, we see people who maybe, you know, fall into addictions or people who just live this very chaotic life because they experience all these gusts of winds, all these passions, all these desires, but they don't really order them. They don't really focus them. Whereas the life of virtue, the life that a Christian is called to, is to take these different good desires, these uh, gusts of winds, if you will, these different passions, and really order them as if you were navigating a sail. So you're, you're still in charge because if you can do that, then the boat's able to move forward. You're able to move forward in virtue. You're able to move forward in holiness. So when you're you're talking about you know ordering our desires i think uh, that's that's a good image to keep in mind it's saying that we're acknowledging all of our desires but we're not letting the desires overwhelm us and overtake us almost like you know kids in a house like if you have no order in the house the kids are just going to run all over the place they're going to cause a mess it's like you need some sort of order you need some sort of discipline in order for those kids to flourish Right. And it's the same with us. We need to be able to order the desires so that they don't just take over us and we just do whatever we want spontaneously. But we say, you know, what where is this desire orienting me? Is it orienting me towards something that is actually good for me or is it actually going to lead towards my destruction? So. Right. Absolutely. And I think uh, that's an important point to remember. Uh, What is going to help us grow in virtue, grow in especially love? Right. We right. were reminded right. that the greatest of all things is love. And I, I mean, we're reminded in, 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 in First John, you know, God is love. God himself in his very essence is love. And so what are we doing that is ordering ourselves toward love? Mm-hmm. Love of neighbor, love of ourselves, and obviously love of God. And so ultimately, Jesus is the person that guides us to that, Right when we fulfill our gaze of, of looking at Jesus, 
right? And, and really uniting our heart to him that that is where we start to have our desires fulfilled in the order in which they are meant to be fulfilled in a healthy way. And that may be painful, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. We may want this brand new car or this, you know, man, a Ford Mustang would be great type of thing or a new house. But uh, but realistically, you know, is that what God is desiring for our lives? And is that the order in which we are to fulfill those desires, right? And uh, I'm reminded actually of Psalm 63. So this comes from uh, week one, if we're talking the liturgy of the hours here, right? Sunday of week one, Sunday morning prayer of week one. It's the very first psalm that we pray. And uh, I could sit here and chant it, right? Oh God, you are my God, for you I long. For you my soul is thirsting. My body pines for you like a dry and weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. Not too bad for a voice that's been talking for, you know, 30 minutes or so. Right. But, uh, oh God, you are my God. For you I long. For you my soul is thirsting. My body pines for you like a dry and weary land without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory, right? That entire stanza right there is, I I think, just a great summation of what we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. right? That when we recognize that God is our God and that he is who we long for, he's who our soul is thirsting for, I mean, the Song of Songs, the whole book of the Song of Songs talks about this intimate, like, spousal love, you know, between man and God, between God and the church, and and how there is that fulfillment of that desire, right? That relationship, and that our body pines for you. It's like a dry and weary land without water. I don't know about you, but being parched is horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, when you are, like, thirsty, it is like you can't get water fast enough. Right. And so when we're without Jesus... It's like our soul is yearning for that, whether we realize it or not. But when we get a taste of it, if we can't get enough. And then when we gaze on you in the sanctuary and we gaze upon Jesus and we see his strength and his glory. And I think that is the fulfillment of all desire right there. Yeah. Is when we seek him and we gaze upon him. You know? yeah. So, uh, So, yeah, that was... Well, it's one of my favorite psalms to kind of reflect on, especially that, that stanza right there. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I, Pope Benedict XVI, Joseph Ratzinger, wrote a book, Behold the Pierced One. Mm-hmm. It wrecked me. <laughs> He's one of my favorite writers, but that book, oh, it wrecked me. But just this idea of this pierced one, Jesus, you know, we gaze upon him. Mm-hmm. And our interior life radically changes just yeah. by merely gazing upon him and we realize what is most important in our desires. Mm. And that tension starts to then go away. Right. So if I could just tie in a couple of things you were saying and then I think we'd be able to wrap up because when you were talking right. about your testimony, you noticed that it was something, um, you know, the sacraments were taking you somewhere outside of this world. Mm. You were noticing like the sacraments were kind of a gateway for you to something more than anything Mm -hmm. you could experience on this earth. And I think that goes back then to our quote from C.S. Lewis where he's talking about, if these desires are in us, they're not satisfied. The only logical explanation is that we were made for another world. So Mm -hmm. I think as a way of summing up everything that we've been saying, 
those deep desires and longings of our heart are ultimately orienting us. They're directing us. They're pointing towards what we were made for, which is heaven, which is for eternal relationship with God himself. And we get a, we get a, a preview of it. We get a foretaste of it in the sacraments, in the life of the church, um, in our prayer. It's never fully satisfied still on this earth. Again, we want to give the disclaimer. You don't just go to prayer and then boom, all of a sudden desires are fully satisfied. But we get that foretaste, maybe particularly in the sacraments, and it's drawing us home, right? It's drawing us home to heaven Mm -hmm. where we will experience that fulfillment of all of our desires. So I think that's... And St. Augustine, I think, wraps it up pretty, pretty great here where he says, you know, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. There it is. Like if I could sum up my entire, like my entire journey, that is it, right? You mm. have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. But the, I guess the, the, the practical application point of this is like, you know, how do we do this in our everyday life? Sure. You know, how do we take these desires, these very things that are causing this restlessness, they are causing this tension. And we'll get into this idea of tension and really kind of what caused that. We'll get into that in a later episode because that is important. Being able to recognize those areas of tension in our life radically help us in being able to present our true desires to God and allow him to heal them and allow him to to start to shed light and life into those areas. So you know, I don't know, what are your thoughts on just some practical applications to maybe bringing some of these desires to, to the Lord? Yeah, so there's there's two things coming to mind as we're talking about all these things. I know you want to talk a little bit more about prayer, so if I could maybe take it in a different direction, I would say two things. First of all, uh, for those of you who are listening who are married, I would say forgive your spouse. Now, what does that have to do with anything we've been talking about? Um, well, we have to recognize that our spouse, though they are, they may be a beautiful human being, they are also broken and they are a fallen creature just like every other person on the face of the earth. And so they're not supposed to be the fulfillment of your deepest desires. So if you sense that your spouse is not fulfilling your deep longings for intimacy, for communion, to be seen, known, and loved, if, they, if they're not doing that, let them off the hook. They're not supposed to be perfect. Um, it's Jesus, again, who is the fulfillment of our deepest desires. So don't place that expectation that your spouse is supposed to take the place of God. That can be a, a real source of uh, you know, resentment and struggle for some couples. So um, I would just say for those of you who are in relationships to be aware of that dynamic very practically. Um, and then the second thing, you know, this is something that's helped me in my life of trying to, you know, root out some sin in my life and to continue to grow in a life of virtue. And it's something that I offer to people who come to me in confession is that our sins, for the most part, have some good desire that is underlying it, right? So if we think of, you know, any, there's any number of sins. If we think of maybe the sins that have to do with chastity, right? Almost always you can see some good desire that's at the root of that sin that was then taken out in a sinful way. So if you're kind of like, if you're aware of yourself, you know that you're falling into the same sins over and over again. Um, you're bringing the same things to confession and maybe it's, it's discouraging for you. You don't know why it is that you keep falling into these things. What I propose that you do is you kind of take a look back at some of these times that you've you know, gone through these sins and just consider what was one of the desires 
going on in my heart when I turned to that sin. Perhaps you'll notice that there was a deep desire, a deep longing for, um, again, we keep going back to it, but like communion or to be seen, known, and loved. Maybe it started out with that desire. Nothing was satisfying it. And so you turned to something in this world that was sinful to try to satisfy it. Um, I think that would just be helpful as you're discovering, as you're seeking to root out these different sins in your life to recognize what's a good desire that's underlying this behavior that you can then bring Jesus into. I think it was G.K. Chesterton who said something like, uh, every man who goes into a brothel is searching for God, right? It's just a very mm-hmm. uh, very palpable way of, of saying that when we do fall into sin, oftentimes we can detect what was a good desire underlying it and then invite Jesus into that desire. So those are two very practical, I guess, uh, applications from my end. Emma, do you want to talk a little bit more about prayer? You've been, you've been mentioning, you know, this beautiful act of ordering our desires and how it is that we, we can bring that to prayer. But can you kind of explain to our listeners what does that maybe practically look like or consist sure, of? Sure, absolutely. Well, and I just want to emphasize, like, prayer is foundational in everything that we do. Uh, without a life of prayer, our entire life is disordered. Uh, and it, it's interesting how that works. You know, it's just a vicious cycle. And so the first thing I would encourage is is to really just acknowledge those deep, unsatisfied desires and bring them to prayer. You know, Augustine would call them an exercise in desire. So, but what does it look like to bring them to prayer? Uh, we don't just go to prayer just to go to prayer and, and hope that they will magically go away. Right, or that they will magically get satisfied and that you can move on with your day. But when we go to prayer, when we enter, we actually are entering into an encounter with Jesus. You know, we're entering into an encounter with really the triune God, the fullness of the Trinity. And so when we bring our desires into this prayer, we are bringing them to encounter the love of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is really what we're doing. We don't, like I said, you don't just go to prayer, but you enter into prayer. You enter into this experience, into this encounter, into this dialogue. And that's the key word is that it's, prayer is a dialogue. You know, you can't just go to prayer and just say, like just word vomit, essentially. You can't just word vomit things to Jesus and then not sit and listen for a response. Because that's just a one-way conversation. And how boring are those or how frustrating are those in, in our everyday conversations, right? Mm-hmm. But we have to be open to listening. And the second thing to remember is this, is this is a process, right? This is a process. Our entire life is a process. It's a journey. Things may not be answered instantaneously, right? Or you're a desire uh, or... or Something that you long for may not be fulfilled instantaneously. But it's a process, and it's a deepening of our desire to love Jesus. You may bring the same desire to him every day for 20 years or more. Maybe it's 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and that's okay. That is okay. Because every time you bring it to God, he is purifying it, whether you feel it or not. Every encounter with Jesus is an encounter with healing. Every encounter with Jesus is an encounter with heaven, right? It's an encounter with what is to come. 
And so a simple way of bringing our desires and the things on our hearts to God is to do something like this. And just a, this is a very rough, raw outline of just a simple prayer process is find yourself in a quiet place. You know, maybe it's a corner of your room. Maybe it's going to a chapel. Or maybe you do have like a prayer space in your house, whatever it may be. Or maybe it's outside and you're somewhere in nature. But just find yourself in a quiet place and just in a posture of receptivity, right? You know, we're, we're bodily, our souls are placed in bodies, right, for a reason. And so we're bodily, our, our posture means something. So, you know, don't sit there with your legs crossed or your arms crossed, but, you know, have your legs uncrossed and maybe your hands just open and laying on your lap and just start by, like, taking a deep breath in and just maybe just praying, come Holy Spirit. And then you make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When the minute that you make that sign of the cross, the Trinity in his fullness is listening to you in your prayer. And then you just simply just say, you know, Jesus, I give you this desire or this struggle or this challenge or this problem or this situation. Whatever it may be, explain it to him. Explain it to him in the full. Yes, he knows everything in your heart, but... He is your friend, and God the Father is your Father. They want to hear it directly from you. They already know, but they want to know, are you willing to share it through your own will, through your own desire to grow in relationship with him? And so you lay it at his feet, and you just say, I give this to you, And I ask you to purify it. I ask you to order it to you and your ultimate will, that it may be your will that's done and not my will. Give me the wisdom to walk through this desire. Maybe give me the wisdom to walk through this problem or this situation. Or maybe maybe it's give me the fortitude. Or maybe it's just give me the peace. Or give me the strength to let go. But you lay it at the feet of Jesus. And that you then sit and you abide in him. We read in the entire chapter of of John 15, what does it mean to really abide in Jesus? And that is sitting with him. Allowing him to pour himself into you. So once you speak... Once you place your desires at his feet, right? Or maybe it's, like I said, a challenge, a problem, a struggle, whatever it may be. You place it at his feet. And then you sit. And you abide in his presence. And allow him to put his finger into those wounds. Into those desires. Into those problems. Into those struggles. Into those challenges. And it may hurt. It may be painful. But through that touch, he is purifying it. He is fulfilling his will when he is in control. And then the last thing, this comes from Blessed Solanus Casey. We thank God ahead of time for the work that he is doing in our lives and in our desires and the very things that he has placed before us. We thank him ahead of time no matter how long it takes, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 60 years, whatever it may be, we thank him ahead of time for the work that he continues to do in our lives. And after you've, you've 
entered into that place. You've asked the Holy Spirit to come, right? You've placed your desires at his feet. You've abided in his presence and you thank him ahead of time. You can easily wrap up your prayer at that moment. But it's not just something you do once, as I mentioned, and as both Father Kevin and I have mentioned multiple times, this is a process, it's a journey. And that's partially what this podcast, this entire, like all of these episodes are about, fulfilling these desires, ordering them to God, and, and sharing how God has worked in our lives through those desires. But ultimately, how can we remain in a state of longing, a state of thirsting, but above all, a state of abiding under the gaze of Jesus. And so we will continue to unpack that in episodes to come. But I feel like we should probably just end end on that process of prayer, you know, and just allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. And I just encourage you maybe over the next week to take your desires to Jesus. Take your desires to God and allow him to to speak to those very depths of your soul. So So yeah. Amen. That's it for this episode. So uh, before we wrap up, Father Kevin, what is your one thing, one joyful thing? My one joyful thing. So I would recommend to listeners this podcast in conjunction with ours, not in the place of. But I uh, recently started listening to this podcast called Joe in Black Ministries. So there's a priest named Father Joe Krupp who's in Grand Blank. And before he was a priest, he was actually a comedian. So he has the best sense of humor. Like, he actually makes me laugh out loud with some of the the jokes and and the witty one-liners that he comes up with. Like, I I literally laugh out loud when I'm just at home folding my laundry, listening to his podcast. So they're uh, totally probably better than my dad jokes. Totally. Okay. A whole new level. Cool. Better than mine, too. So, I mean, I'm, Yeah. Uh, but but he's also a very holy dude. He's, he's a very prayerful dude. Um, just a good man, a, a good priest. And I, I just love listening to him talk. Uh, he just really has a desire to share the faith, and he has an excellent sense of humor along the way. So I would just recommend Joe in Black Ministries podcast because it's been bringing me a lot of joy this week. Sweet. And so I would say for me, uh, my, my one joy is uh, just the fall weather. I love this weather. Yes. It is flannel season, yes. which means campfires and praise and worship around the fire and just, oh, I love it. All the things. So that's definitely my one joy thing. So anyways, we, we hope that you enjoyed it. Remember to give us a like, give us a share. Share us with all your friends. Uh, please keep us in prayer. Know that we are praying for you. And until next time, continue to find your cause for joy. Mm-hmm.